Isaiah Stewart seems to be the topic of what everyone in the business community is talking about right now. We're going to talk about him and what I feel and how I feel about where he's at right now and his progress moving forward. And also, we're going to give some props to Hamdou Diallo on the podcast today, someone who's been playing really well since he was inserted back into the rotation. Should he be given more minutes? All on today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is a new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need. It can even negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. Truebill. Thank you for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kukahill. And again, thank you for making Knockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And like I tell you guys at the beginning of every episode, if you are listening to this on the podcast version and you want to find the best way to support the podcast, best way easily is to go ahead over to our YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons and subscribe to the channel. Right now, there's in that Lockdown Network and the NBA channel. There's about five or six teams all grouped in between the 600 and 700 range, and we're one of them. And I had one of our channel coordinators, all of them, uh, one of them emailed all of us and said, who's going to be the first one to get to 1,000? Whose fan base is the best? Go to that YouTube channel, Lockdown Pistons, subscribe, show them that we have the best fan base of all the groups. We have the most committed fan base out there. So, again, if you want to find the best way to support me and the podcast and show how strong our fan base is, go to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons, subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. But on today's episode of the podcast, we got, we got a juicy one, I feel like. We got a juicy one. So, we just had a tough conversation about Sadiq Bey last podcast. We we talked about Tory Weaver, a tough conversation with him last week. Uh, we, we've been having a lot of conversations, tough conversations about guys. Uh, and next up is Isaiah Stewart, because I opened up Twitter today, and he was the main thing being talked about by the entire Pistons community. Uh, some of the beat writers have been going back and forth with guys about Isaiah Stewart. He's been the main topic, I feel like. Obviously, with what happened with LeBron last week, uh, fast forward to now, now it's not so much about that. It's more about his play and where he's at, all those kind of things. Uh, so we're just, let's just, I'm just going to give you guys my thoughts about Isaiah Stewart so far this season, what I think of him, what what, what I think should happen with him, what the pitchers should do with him, etc. Just my overall thoughts about him. So I just want to say, I like Isaiah Stewart. Let me start that off. I really do like Isaiah Stewart. I think he has a place in this league for a long time. I think he, at the very least, is going to be a backup in this league for a long time. A really good backup center. So I just wanted to get that out the way. I really do think that he's going to be a good backup center for the long time in the NBA, at the very least. So this is not me, and this is also what I'm going to say here. This is not me saying that he can't get better. He won't ever get better. He's not going to reach ceilings or places that some of you guys may think he can eventually hit. That's not me. I'm not writing his the end of his book. I'm not doing any of that. I'm simply analyzing what we excuse me, analyzing what we've seen from him thus far. That's all I'm doing. So, so, so far into the season, I think it's absolutely objectively true, and if you're, if you're denying this, I just feel like you're not being objective and truthful with yourself, that Isaiah Stewart has been a, a handicap to the Pistons' offense. He's not shooting any threes. He's not shooting anything outside of five feet from the rim. And currently, he's not shooting very well within five feet of the rim anyways. Right now in the NBA, he is in the 21st percentile as a pick-and-roll man, uh, according to Synergy. Uh, last year, he was in the 70th percentile. A lot of that had to do with, in my opinion, 
I'm pretty sure the numbers would suggest this too, which I have them up in front of me. Uh, it had a lot to do with the fact he was able to hit that short roll, kind of LaMarcus Aldridge pull up midi off the pick and rolls. He, you know, all the way to the rim, but he'd stop just short and hit that little uh, short roll pop. And that was something he, he shot really effectively last season for the Pistons. And this year, he's not, he's not even trying to take these. So, for example, let's go ahead and look through these. From 10 to 16 feet last season, 6% of his shots. Now, mind you as well, just make sure as I read off the percentages of his field goal attempts, just remember that he's not even attempting nowhere near as many attempts overall. So the percentages, even though some may be higher or lower, just remember that he's also just shooting lower attempts across the board anyway. So it's already going to be down. So from 10 to 16 feet last year, 6% of his shots came from 10 to 16 feet. 3% of his shots came from 16 to 3 feet. And 15% of his shots came from three-point range. This year, so far this year, it's down across the entire board. From 10 to 16 feet this year, he shoot, only 2% of his shots are coming from there. From 16 to 3, three-point range, only 1% of his shots are coming from there. From three-point range, only 8% of his shots are coming from there. It's it's down across the board. So then I'll ask, you guys will probably ask him, what did he shoot from these areas this rookie season? Well, from 10 to 16 feet, he shot 55%. That's extremely freaking good. From 16 to three point or three point range, he shot 42, 43%, which is pretty good as well. From three point range, he shot 33%. He was below average. He didn't shoot that many. And we've talked about on the podcast towards the end of the season last year that he didn't shoot. Once he started shooting more with volume, he started missing a little bit more. So I'm not really, I'm not even really worried about his three point, three point percent or him shooting up threes. I just want him to be more of a, more of a threat outside of five feet. But overall, my point is, is that he showed us in the in his rookie season. Not so much three-point range. Again, like I said, it, it was a mixed bag. And you guys know I was skeptical about him from three-point range. But in his rookie season, he showed us that he's capable of hitting that midi pull-up. He's capable of being a threat from outside of five feet. He shot it with confidence, and he was shooting it really effectively his rookie season. And this year, he just completely stopped doing it. He's not even he's not even attempting it. Uh, and a lot of his, if you even look at his three to ten feet away from the rim from last year, which would be... Uh, it would consider a little bit of hook shots as well, uh, but he did have a lot of those pull-up middies as well in that in that range his rookie season. He shot 52% from this area his rookie season as well. So it's it's he's shown us. My point is he's shown us that he can shoot from outside of five feet, uh, outside from just the rim. Maybe not three-point range, but in that little area, he's shown that he's able to do that. This year, he's completely not doing it at all. And that and I've said I've hinted at this a little bit on the podcast already. That, that's a major handicap for the Pistons' offense thus far. It's it's seriously... I, I don't want to dive into the numbers yet because I want to save this number for the second segment, uh, which I guess we can get into soon. But my overall point is, thus far this season, Isaiah Stewart, I feel like, is doing a nice job defensively. He's improved defensively, I feel like. He started off a little slow, but he had that ankle injury. And he start, you know, all those things. So not worried, really worried about that. But I feel like he's pretty good defensively. He moves his feet. He's real physical, obviously. Uh, I still feel like he'd become a better rebounder. He's not that great of a rebounder, to be honest. Uh, he needs to get better in that department. Uh, but overall, defensively, I feel like he's come along. Offensively, I feel like he's taking a step back. And for some reason, I, I don't get why that is. I don't get why he's not shooting from outside the rim. Uh, and he's also struggling around the women's rim as well, which is really hurting the Pistons. And he's dropped more than 50% or just around 50 percentile down as a pick and roll man from last year to this year, last year, he was one of the best in the league this year. He's one of the worst in the entire NBA and we're 20 games into the season. It's been a major, major, major handicap for the Pistons primary ball handlers that they don't really have a pick and roll partner right now. 
So that's where I'm at right now with Isaiah Stewart. We're going to dive into even more numbers, talking about what the Pistons offense, according to the numbers, not biases, not just eye tests and making up things. What are the numbers saying about the Pistons offense when Isaiah Stewart's on the floor? Is he actually a handicap or is it something that I'm overreacting to? Is it something that some Pistons fans are overreacting to? We're going to talk about that in the next segment. But first, I got to tell you guys about some of our sponsors. First up, let me tell you a little bit about Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money and download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concert is there when you need them to cancel your unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill also has over 2 million users and helps save them over $100 million. Don't fall into subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands of dollars a year. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. So, again, I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you want to find the best way to support the podcast, like I told you guys earlier, go ahead to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. Our goal is to hit 1,000 subscribers by the end of the year. We're sitting at 658, I think, right now. Again, help us get to 1,000 subscribers. If you listen to this in the podcast version, you'd like listening to the podcast version, you don't want the visual version, that's fine. But go support the podcast, support that podcast. Go over to the YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button. Like I told you guys earlier, our channel coordinator said, which one has the best fan base? Who's going to hit it first? Uh, like six teams sitting between the 600 and 700 area. Let's show them that we have the strongest fan base out there. Help us get over to 1,000 subscribers. I'd really appreciate it. But let's dive right back into what we were talking about with Isaiah Stewart. So I want to say again, I really like Isaiah Stewart. But And like I said, I think he has a future in the NBA. At the very least, he's a really good big man or a really good backup center. In the, in the NBA for a while. And I think that would be perfectly fine, by the way. I'm not saying that's where his ceiling is. I'm not saying that's where he's going to end up. I'm not writing his storybook ending. Again, I just want to make that clear. But I want I also want to say to you guys, before we dive into more numbers to back up what I'm saying, that if Isaiah Stewart were to just become a, a good big man, a good backup big man for the Pistons, or a good backup in the league, that would be perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with him being a backup center in the NBA for a while. He was he was not a lottery pick. Where he was picked at, that would be a really good hit. And he can be a valuable player as a backup center. I I feel like some people have expectations too high, and if he's not going to hit them, people are going to think that you know that he's a bust. I don't think that's the case. I know a lot of people try comparing him to Ben Wallace. I, I You guys know I, I hate that. I don't think he's anywhere like Ben Wallace. But again, I just want to make it clear that if, if Isaiah Stewart in his career were to just become a backup center who lasts for a long time, that would be a really good pick. That still would be fine. That's not, that's not a miss. Um, but anyways, let's dive more into more numbers that I wanted to bring up. So again, I had one of you guys say to me, Koo, you know, is it, is it just you overreacting to the numbers? Is, is it is our fans, or not the numbers, our fans just overreacting to what they think is a handicap to the offense? Do the numbers even back this up? Is this even true? Et cetera, et cetera. So... I went and looked it up, and we're going to bring the, the numbers, and the numbers don't lie, okay? This is not me. This is not me. Uh, th- this is not my biases. If, if someone wants to th- go out there and say that, this is not me just picking on Stu, or some of you guys may think I don't like Stu or something. This is just strictly objective. The Detroit Pistons offense 
is 13.7 points worse with Isaiah Stewart on the court. It's the worst on the team by more than three points. Let me say that again. The Pistons offense is 13.7 points worse with Isaiah Stewart on the floor. And it's more than three points worse than the next worst person. That's awful. It's That's really bad. There's no sugarcoating around it. Now, so I'm sure some of you guys may be asking, Q, what are you, what are you trying to say from all this? You're giving us numbers. What are you trying to say? This is where, where I'm taking leading all this to. One, my first point is there's no way around it. There's no way you anyone can lie to themselves. You have to be just strictly objective. This is not, and again, this is talking about what we've seen thus far. This is why I feel like a lot of people get like confused and start immediately putting up the defense walls and start go, being ready to go to fight for Stu. This is not about what he'll be in the future. This is not saying what he's going to end up being. This is not trying to write his ending or anything or trying to cap his ceiling or anything. This is strictly talking about what we've seen thus far, being objective in our analysis. So far this season, through 20 games, it's objectively true that Isaiah Stewart has been a handicap on the offensive end because he's refusing to shoot outside of five feet. Now, now the question is, is it Isaiah Stewart saying, you know, I don't want to shoot outside this fan. He's just not comfortable right now. Or is it the Pistons coaching staff saying that they don't really want him shooting outside this area. They want him doing that right now. Now, We've had uh, Dwayne Casey come out and say himself that they're not going to rush him in, in, with uh, shooting shooting outside the paint right now. So if it's the coaching staff telling him to do it, okay. Still, this would be my, this this right here would basically be, this would have to be my, my retort to that. If you're going to start Isaiah Stewart, there's, there's, there's only two things you can do here. If you're going to start Isaiah Stewart, he has to shoot outside five feet. He has to. He has to do something offensively that, that will bring value. If you're going to start him, if you're going to start Isaiah Stewart, he has to kill, go back to shooting those mid-rangers, those little short roll pops. He has to. He absolutely has to, or the offense is going to continue to struggle how it is. Because it's handicapping every single Pistons ball handler. The Pistons basically have no pick-and-roll offense. Again, Isaiah Stewart ranks in the 21st percentile as a pick-and-roll big man. So the Pistons basically have no pick-and-roll offense in their starting lineup. They're handicapped outside of that because he's not shooting outside five feet. And right now he's struggling. Unless he gains five inches or gains a 10-inch vertical, he's going to probably struggle right now around the rim anyways. He might get better than that in the future. I don't know. But so far, he's struggling with that. But what made him such an intriguing prospect his rookie season was the fact he had such good touch from mid-range. Again, I'm not even talking about the three-pointer. From mid-range, he had incredible touch. That was That's what made him such an intriguing prospect. So the fact that he's completely wiped that out is a handicap to the offense. The, the numbers back it up, and he can't keep doing that if they're going to start him, if they're going to proceed to start him. Now, this is where I feel like I'm going to rough some feathers here. We have heard over and over from the beat writers, all the beat writers, we've heard it from you know people defending the coaching staff over the years against other young players. We've heard it for multiple times that you don't have to start a player to develop them. Just because a player's not starting doesn't mean they're not developing them. Chill out on doing Casey, blah, blah. You can still de- start. Uh, development doesn't mean starting. You can develop guys just as much as a backup as a starter. If that's true, if that's the argument you want to live by, which I'm sure it's true, but if that's the argument you guys have been pushing, then if you're also going to say that you're not, Isaiah Sears is not going to shoot outside five feet, 
then just develop him off the bench. Then you're gonna have to. I, I would have. You would have to bring him off the bench now. Now you can't do that because Kelly Olynyk's out. But when Kelly Olynyk comes back, if it's still like this and he's not shooting outside five feet, and the Pistons still are lacking any kind of pick and roll threat out there because he's not showing them as that, that type of threat. If the statement is true that everyone's been pushing on us for years, that you don't have to start guys to develop them. You can develop them off the bench. Right now, that would be then send Stu to the bench, have, play him like his 25 to 30 minutes off the bench then, and just develop him that way. Let, do the same things you're doing now, development-wise, just off the bench. Because right now, this is, this, is, this is the real issue here. It's not so much the issue of, you know, just overall the, the, the offense is being handicapped by Stu because he's not shooting outside five feet. The issue here is, one, it's hurting Stu because he's being he's much ineffective. It's really hurting him, I feel like, his development. So that's one. But two, by having him not shoot outside five feet, by him not doing that and not posing as any kind of threat offensively, I feel like I'm making this is this is this is my argument that that is inherent that, that's directly hurting the development of Kay Cunningham and Killian Hayes. They need guys. They need a pick and roll big guy who's able to be a threat in the pick and roll. They desperately need that. That that's that's where they're going to achieve the most. We knew that with Killian Hayes last year. I feel like everyone should know that about Kay Cunningham. They need a pick and roll partner to do, play the offense with. So. If you're going, if, if Stu, we all know Stu's going to struggle around the rim. I think everyone knows that he's going to struggle finishing around the rim because of his size, his lack of explosiveness against guys you know bigger than him, etc. So it's it's going to be it's going to be tough around it. But again, his rookie season what made him such an intriguing prospect was his ability to show us his touch from outside just a five feet and his effectiveness taking it. If he's just not going to take that, he's he's hurting the development of Killian Hayes and Kay Cunningham as well. Because they don't have the defenses are not going to respect Isaiah Stewart. They're putting too, too much pressure on Killian Hayes and Kay Cunningham, and them not having a meaningful pick and roll threat is directly hurting them. So, if that's the route the Pistons are going to take, if if that's if they don't want him taking shots outside of five feet again, that's fine. Then when Kelly Olynyk comes back, I would make the argument if he's still doing that, then you need to just bring Stu off the bench then and develop him the same type of way. That doesn't mean he won't eventually be the starter. It doesn't mean he won't eventually be a starting center in the NBA. But at this point in time, if the argument that we have been told that you can develop guys the exact same way off the bench, he doesn't have to start. And in the same breath, it's very clear by the numbers that Isaiah Stewart, the way he's playing and the way they're asking him to play offensively right now, is hurting the offense and hurting two of your other young core pieces, two of your biggest pieces of the young core, then you're going to have to make a tough decision at a certain point. You can't have both. You can't have him in the starting lineup and then also refuse to let him take mid-rangers or him just not be a, 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 an option from that range at all. Because, like I said, he's one of the worst pick-and-roll guys in the NBA right now, and it's hurting the offense. It's hurting the team. It's hurting two of their biggest uh, pieces of their young core. And they can't have that. They just simply can't. So that that's my that's basically what I wanted to take this argument with with Isaiah Stewart it's not even really an argument it's just me pointing out things uh, about Stu um, so like for example and before we end it this segment I just want to point out last season his rookie season the offense was 1.7 points better with him off the court that's not too big of a deal because he was a rookie and the team sucked so when he played obviously they probably weren't going to be that great but the fact that it was such a minimal compared to where he's at now the minimal difference when he's on the court again it shows you that the Pistons' offense functioned much better last year with him on the court because he was willing to take shots 
He was a, he was willing to be a threat on the floor from somewhere. He he was able to do that his rookie season. This year, again, he he's not even attempting it. He's not even trying. And and it's not so much going at Stu because we've had we've heard quotes from Dwayne Casey, we've heard quotes from people, and we've heard beat writers suggest that it's not something that maybe they want him doing right now. Fine, if that's not something you want him doing right now, then that's fair. He doesn't have to do it. If that's their grand plan, they know they obviously know more than us. Apparently, you're going to assume they know more of us than us about developing. That if that's the case, that it's going to work best for Stu, that's fine. Do that then. But he he can come off the bench then, doing the same thing. Obviously, it's tough right now with Kelly Olynyk hurt. You shouldn't do it now. Uh, but when Kelly Olynyk was healthy, and when he does get healthy, they should give that some serious thought then. Because you can't, like I said, that's, this is why I'll end it. You cannot do both things. If you're the coaching staff and you're the Pistons, you cannot also tell Stu you don't want him taking these shots. You want him just to focus on, you know, I guess like interior stuff or defense, whatever. You don't want to rush him in that department. And then also start him with Killian Hayes and Kay Cunningham and have him be a non-threat because they work against each other. So you have to pick one. That, that's my argument. It's hurting the offense. The numbers, again, back it up. They're 13 points worse. Again, with them on the floor, it's more than three points worse than the next player. That's awful. They can't have both. They need to pick which one it's going to be. And again, that's not me saying Isaiah Stewart's bad. That's, it's actually me saying that I know he can be better. It's me saying I feel like he's being, I honestly, I guess I should end this with saying that I feel like Isaiah Stewart's kind of being held, held down. I think Isaiah Stewart can be better. This is not me saying that I think he's bad or he's going to be a bust or something. It's me saying that I've seen him be better than this. I've seen him show the ability to do this. So the fact that he's not doing it is frustrating. And it's hurting the offense, and I don't understand why it's happening. So before anyone starts freaking out, thinking I hate Stu or trying to go at Stu, it's actually me speaking highly of Stu because I know he can do more. I know he can do those things. But if they're not going to have him do it, when Kelly Olenek comes back, I, I think you have to give serious thought about benching him. Or not, I, actually, not, let's not call it bench him. Just bring him off the bench. Bring him off the bench, give him his same kind of minutes, but mix him up with the lineups he's playing with. Because playing him right now with the way you want him playing with Killian Hayes and Kate Cunningham is basically forfeiting on offense, and it's hurting them, I feel like. That was a long rant. I'm sorry. Uh, but I hope you guys get where I'm coming from. You guys got to let me know what you guys think about this whole situation. I know it's been a, a heated topic amongst fans. I know I'm going to have some of you guys probably going crazy on me. I might have some of you guys agreeing with me, but... Let me know if I swayed you guys, if I was able to convince one of you, some of you guys that weren't thinking the same way, etc. All in the comment section down below on YouTube. Excuse me. Or over on Twitter, at Kuki Hill, if you're listening to this on the podcast version. When we come back, we'll talk about Hamadou Diallo and some of the plays, uh, how well he's been playing, and whether he deserves more minutes as well. Or after we get into some of these sponsors. First up, I got to tell you guys about Line AG. Line has you covered all season. More props odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So again, go check out their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, where the game starts. I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And again, 
If you want to find the best way to support the podcast, head over to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by the end of the year. Again, we are in a group with some of the other Locked On channels, some of the other Locked On NBA teams in a group between 600 and 700 subscribers. They want to know who's going to be the first one to get to 1,000. Let's troll them. We are the strongest fan base. We are the best fan base out there. Even though the Pistons may not be that good, we are still the best fan base out there. Let's be the first ones to get to 1,000 subscribers out of all those teams. So again, Lockdown Pistons on YouTube. I'd really appreciate best way to support the podcast. Uh, but let's talk about, you know, let, let's talk, stop being negative so much. I know we've been negative a lot recently on the podcast, uh, but, you know, the Pistons are losing and they're not playing well, so a lot of things are going to be negative. But there is one positive, and that's Hamadou Diallo's play. Hamadou Diallo was DMP'd for not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, really. He played one game, five minutes at the end of a blowout. He had six DMPs, but really only played, you know, five of the first Pistons, 14 games, really. I'm not going to count that sixth game when he played at the end of garbage time against the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, so he he went from just being completely out the rotation. We had that dust up with Dwayne Casey on the sideline. I forget what game it was against. Uh, we had that dust up. I think it was against uh, Cleveland where him and Dwayne Casey butted heads and Troy Weaver came down from the stands and pulled him back in the locker room. We had that whole thing happen. We had Hamadou Diallo liking tweets saying, you know, send him back to OKC if you're not going to play me kind of thing. It wasn't looking good for Hamadou Diallo in Detroit. Then he got his play at the end of a game against Sacramento Kings where he scored seven points, played extremely hard, and got his way back into the rotation. And now, over the Pistons' last six games, Hamadou Diallo is averaging 9.5 points off the bench with 4.5 rebounds a game. Mind you, he's only playing 16 minutes a game. So he's averaging, in 16 minutes a game, over the last six games, he's averaging 9 and 4.5 and rebounds. That's pretty good. That's pretty effective in short minutes, I think, I I, I would say. Um, and he's also shooting 56% from the floor. So he's being efficient with it as well. He's shooting 89% from the free throw line as well. He's not playing a lot per game. Like I said, he's only playing 16 minutes a game. He's not like he's playing a ton. But in these short minutes, he's absolutely making it work. He's taking advantage of every minute he's being given out there. He's been playing extremely well. Uh, and I, I think he's warranted getting more minutes. Now, on the last podcast, we spent, I think, the first two segments talking about Sadiq Bey and why I believe or, or I think it's time for, you know, possibly considering cutting his minutes and giving him some to Hamadou Diallo. Now, a lot of it obviously has to do with, if you haven't listened to the last podcast, go check it out uh, if you want more depth, in-depth about what we're talking about here. But obviously, a lot of it has to do with how Sadiq's playing. Sadiq's not playing very well. He hasn't played well all season. He's he's running away from threes. There's so many things that we talked about in the last podcast with Sadiq. I'm not going to get into all of it here at the end. But overall, Sadiq's just not playing well. He's playing pretty tough. Pretty, And when I say tough, I mean badly. Um, and Hamadou Diallo... Ever since being put back in the rotation, I feel like has outplayed Sadiq. Now, his numbers are going to look as good, points-wise. He's not playing as many minutes. But I think if you just watch them both play on the court over the last six games, and ever since, really, Hamadou Diallo has been put back in the uh, not starting lap, but the rotation, he has outplayed Sadiq Bey. He's brought more defensively. They're both really active on the glass. They're probably two of our, our best rebound, the Pistons' best rebounders on the team, to be honest. Uh, I wouldn't be mad at anyone who would put, literally, Sadiq Bey and Hamadou Diallo, even over Isaiah Stewart as a rebounder. That's how great they are as rebounders at the wing positions. Uh, and Hamadou has just been really... This is the thing. 
and and this is something that I talked to you guys about over the summer with Sadiq Bey. Hamadou Diallo knows what he is. I'm going to get to the rim. There's nothing you're going to do to stop me. And if you do try to stop me, you're going to follow me. I'm going to get to the free throw line. And I'm going to go hard to the rim every single time. I'm going to play hard while I'm out there. I'm going to play good defense. I'm going to get active on defense. I'm going to run the break fast as hell. I'm going to give it all I got. And again, I'm going to get to that basket whether you like it or not. And you're not going to stop me. He's not going to start doing other things. He's not going to start shooting five threes. He's not going to start taking, you know, you know, post fadeaways or anything. He's not going to force the issue, which is something I've really liked. I've so this is actually one of the best things I've liked from him, do Diallo, because I feel like he hasn't really forced the issue so far, and since he got put back in the rotation, he's playing within himself. He's playing within the offense. There's been a lot of times I feel like last year when he brings the ball up, he would go and it would be like 20 seconds of him trying to get to the rim or trying to do his own thing. Now there's been multiple times you'll see him bring it up. He'll get a kick out if he doesn't like what he sees. He'll walk it down, give a handoff to someone with a better ball handler that could shoot, and he'll wait for a cut to the back door or, you know, get offensive rebound. He's playing within himself. I feel like he's playing a lot smarter as well. And it's leading to why, excuse me, why I feel like he's playing a lot better in the offense. And, you know, with the way he's been playing, I just feel like he deserves more minutes. He was benched early in the season after not playing so well through four games. Instantly he was benched, not given a ton of minutes. Um... We've heard nonstop from Dwayne Casey about earning minutes. Guys have to earn these things. Uh, and, you know, Hamid Diallo is one of the young guys as well, which is a point that I made on the last podcast about Sadiq Bey is that, you know, if you're going to cut into Sadiq Bey's minutes, it's not like you're giving it to another old guy or someone who doesn't matter. Diallo is just as important, I would say, to the young core as well. He's only 23 years old. With a, You guys know how highly I had I was of Hamid Diallo in the offseason of his ceiling. Uh so he has, you know, he's just as important to this young core. So if he's outplaying Sadiq Bey, if he's outplaying some guys ahead of him and he's doing what you wanted to see from him and he's achieving these heights now that you wanted to see from him, he should be rewarded for that, I feel like. It's, and, and again, if you don't want to look at it as, you know, Sadiq's playing bad, we're, we're punishing Sadiq, fine. Look at it as elevating Hamdou Diallo and giving him credit and, and rewarding him for how well he's played. Either way, I'm not, I'm not saying that Sadiq Bey needs to be put on the bench or anything. But I definitely feel like Hamadou Diallo has earned more minutes. I feel like he, the way he's played and how, how much he's hustled, how hard he's playing out there, and how he's playing smarter and within himself, I feel like the team just plays, really needs him on the court. Because what Sadiq's supposed to bring is outside shooting. And right now he's not bringing that. And sometimes there's multiple stretches throughout the game when he's just running away from that. And he's not bringing much else to the floor outside of rebounding as well. So, you know, I, I think if the Pistons wanted to put Hamadou Diallo, you know, play him a little bit more minutes with Killian or Cade, uh, line up with him, one of those guys. Uh, you can honestly go Cade and Killian if you want to be honest. Uh, but you could also play them both with Frank Jackson, which they did a lot last game. I thought that was, I thought that lineup really looked good out there. Frank Jackson fills in the role of Sadiq Bey, who's going to shoot instantly anytime there's any space given to him, which is what they need. And then Hamadou Diallo gives him a threat in transition, which, again, was highlighted in the last game. Someone who's able to run up and down the floor, get to the other basket fast as hell, finish lobs, finish above the rim, uh, create fouls at the rim as well. Like, I just feel like Hamadou Diallo has played so well recently in his limited minutes that he just needs to be rewarded. Now, if that means cutting back some of Sadiq Bey's minutes, then so be it. Sadiq hasn't been playing well at all for for 16 straight games. Hamadou Diallo is playing... I, I feel like really well. He should be rewarded with more minutes. Let's see him play around 20 minutes a game. Cut cut back like four minutes in Sadiq. I think that would be the, uh, you know, the right thing to do right now. But who am I? I'm just a lockdown Pistons host. But 
that's all we got for you guys today. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I really appreciate all you guys who listen every single day. I really do. Thank you guys. Uh, if you guys want to support the podcast in the best possible way, again, go over to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by the end of the year. I really hope and wish we get to that goal, and we need your guys' help if we're going to get there. So, again, go over to Lockdown Pistons on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all our podcast platforms. And also, for your second listen every day, go ahead over to Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Again, thank you guys for listening to today's podcast. Let me know what you guys thought about everything that we talked about in today's podcast in the comment section down below on YouTube or over at Kooky Hill on Twitter. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. Enjoy the game tonight against the Portland Trailblazers. It's at 10 o'clock. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to be so tired, bro. I'm going to be so tired. But we're I'm, I'm going to fight through it. I hope you guys fight through it, too. Maybe the Pistons get a win tonight. Who knows? Enjoy the game. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. And peace out, everybody.